0: Captain's Log, Stardate 75510.7. The USS Vigilant has returned to Lone Star Station, where Lieutenant Commander David and I find ourselves revisiting the early days of then-Captain Archer and the crew of the NX-01 Enterprise. Meanwhile, Lieutenant Commander Eric and Ensign Katie have returned to Earth to speak at Starfleet Academy. This episode of These Are The Voyages is brought to you by Dan Jones and his amazing guitar. Thank you. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of These Are The Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney, and joining me for uh, a little, little, I don't know, stroll down memory lane, down the archives of sorts. You know him, Lieutenant Commander David. What's up, dude? Welcome to the show. What's
1: going on, man?
0: I'm just I'm just here. I, I'm just here. <laughs> just just living yeah. the dream, I guess. Um, yeah, rocking my. I mean, I'm rocking my uh, my Wesley Crusher little little sweatshirt thing with uh, with my my uh, NXO one t-shirt underneath it, just to get a little you know awkward for a second there. Do I need to uh, drum up a few PSAs for you? Please, please do. Just, just tell me just to say no or don't do something or just to shut up. Just
1: say no, man. There you go. Just say no.
0: (laughs) Oh lordy, lordy, lordy. Well, unfortunately, we're not here to talk about the uh, the uh, lifestyles of of the rich and famous, uh, profiling, you know, Wesley Crusher. By any means we could do that we completely flip the script mm. no no we're not going to do that
1: right. no no i don't think so fair enough fair enough
0: all right well um yeah today we're going to be talking about uh the the first season of enterprise um later retroactively titled star trek enterprise uh but before we get to that um, how have things been, man?
1: No, it's 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 all good. Uh, nothing nothing really to complain about. Just uh, another another day, I guess. Work and uh, heading on into the weekend. Kind of boring.
0: Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. It's it's fine. It's fine. Um. Yeah, like nothing too crazy. Um, by any means. So, um, just. I'm, I'm, I'm like with this sweater or the, it's not even a sweater I was duped by the way so I ordered this um, I ordered this uh, article of clothing um, because it was advertised as a sweater now there's a difference between a sweater and a sweatshirt right I mean I'm not crazy there is a difference
1: yeah I mean generally I would think of a of a sweater being, heavier, I guess.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Knit? Uh,
1: Yeah, yeah. By an old grandma, yeah.
0: Absolutely, Uh, you know, canning and putting together her jelly in her mason jars, you know, that she's going to sell at her boutique.
1: Or just keep in the basement for 50 years and never use it and then say it's still good.
0: That's right, because that's what a good grandma does. Mm. Well, if there's nothing else then let's talk about Star Trek.
1: (laughs) Might as well.
0: Might as well. We are going to a much earlier, uh, more simple time uh, when we talk about, uh, you know, Enterprise or Star Trek Enterprise, whatever you want to call the thing. Now, the the idea for this show, this particular episode, came about from our discussion at the two-year anniversary episode that we did in October, where we were kind of talking about like maybe like things that we like to do things we like to see when it comes to content that's being created for this particular show and uh one of the things that david had suggested was just doing kind of like a dive or just having like discussions about like seasons of shows basically and one in particular was in fact enterprise like you have a you have a soft spot in your heart for enterprise if i'm not mistaken
1: well yeah i um I like origin stories. Sometimes I like origin stories more than uh, than the continuations. I mean, I'm not gonna like talk about Marvel and stuff, but like a lot of the first movies I like better than the future movies or where we introduced people for the hundredth time. Um, but yeah, no Enterprise. I, I did not watch season one the year it came out. I'm not going to tell you how I watched it because that would be, I'm pleading the fifth. Um, Mm. So anyway, (laughs) well, because season one was 2001. Correct. And in 2001, uh, we didn't have cable. Okay. That was kind of the start of not having cable because we moved from our house in the... I hesitate to call it a city because it was a small town <laughs> in town to moving outside of town. Uh, and all we had was a um, was a large antenna. So you got like your four, six, eight, tw- ten, 28 or whatever, like five channels. Sure. And it was all analog. It wasn't digital. You didn't pick up anything else. It was nothing. I watched the Batman cartoon.
0: OK, <laughs> Yeah.
1: there wasn't okay. anything out there. Um, but anyway, yeah, when the when the internet became the internet, and you know, you could slowly, I'm I'm pleading the fifth. Anyway, um, I I wound up you know catching up <laughs> later on, on on Enterprise, and um, I like the idea of the really the first voyage out. These mm-hmm. these guys didn't know anything. There was no Federation at all no there, there was no partners in space aside from the Vulcans and this was the very beginning of Starfleet which in a way wasn't as militaristic it was more like a slightly militarized NASA it was it was just a, a, a way different world and um, I thought that they cast the show really really well I think that it still holds up in a lot of ways. Although it's funny, it's been a it's been a, a while since I rewatched some of this, and I I had forgotten just how um, how sexualized they made certain things. Oh
0: my goodness! Um,
1: however, they did try and inter- integrate a lot of um, lessons, like historical lessons, because these folks weren't as far removed as say, you know. TNG you know that that's the future this is just it's a future that we could almost touch a little bit it's literally the beginning of real space travel sure um and like I said I mean the 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 casting I, I think the casting was really spot on um and just with a few exceptions um Season 1 was just it was such a good entry into the the Trek universe. Although I I do know that some of Enterprise gets dogged a little bit. Yeah, here and there. Which I mean aside from the Zindi arc, that's where I dog it cuz I didn't really enjoy that that much. Okay. I liked when they got out of that. But um no, I I just I found I found everything so interesting and like this This just feels like diving so far back, you know, in that and they they bring up a lot of other kind of historical historical things. And then plus, Chase, look, we get to hear Rod Stewart build out that
0: song over
1: and over and Paramount Plus does not have a button to skip the intro, so you have to manually skip it.
0: Hold on. (laughs) Hold on. If you're watching it on your computer or your phone, there's a skip intro button.
1: Okay, I was watching it on my on my TV. I was trying to cram a few episodes uh, today, but uh, yeah, I mean, I heard "Faith of the Heart." Oh man, you know, because I'm doing stuff in between, and oh, yeah, yep, man. there's Rod, there's Rod again, just just <laughs> rocking out, you know. Oh, yep, there's the astronauts. Yep, there's this long intro, which I don't mind. Maybe not necessarily a super Trek intro, if we're being honest with each other.
0: But yeah, there's there's the um, I it's don't know if have you seen the uh, the meme? Uh, it made it made the rounds, I think, on at least Instagram um, in some circles a couple months back, and it pops up every now and again, where it's like uh, TOS or TNG, and it's like Beethoven, um, Voyager, <laughs> yeah. it's like Bach, and like then there's like Mozart, and then you have like Poison or someone, and it's like Enterprise. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh yeah. boy. I mean, Rod, Rod Stewart got sophisticated there for a moment. He did all those, uh, the covers of classic songs, not quite, uh, not quite high, highbrow, but you know, I mean, he was mm-hmm. trying.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I got Man, I love Faith of the Heart. Like, it's on like quite a few of my playlists that I have on like Spotify whenever I'm just like sitting down doing work or just, you know, piddling, doing stuff around the house or in the backyard or whatever. I love that song.
1: I, I, I mean, I, I like it too. It just, it, it, it's, it's just kind of the oddball intro song. Yeah. You know what I mean? But no, it's not a bad song at all.
0: You know, one thing that, um, uh, Eric and I were talking about in a couple different episodes that we've done from like Star Trek Enterprise, at least has been like the design of the ship, the, um. Um, like even the way that they conduct themselves on like their away missions and just like doing whatever basically it's it's still very much like they, they treat it very well i think just because of how close they are in the timeline to us you know in, in like the 21st century for crying out loud right. like they i mean they're they're in the 22nd century so it's like it's not that far off for crying out loud i mean we had we had first contact 2063. And this is taking place, um, I think it's like 60, 70, 80 years later, roughly speaking.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, and y- you mentioned the ship. I I really like this ship, too. And I know, te- you know, it's a little cramped. The captain's quarters are minuscule. Everything's a, a, a literal push button. <laughs> Which, yes. I like tactile buttons. I don't know about you, but I enjoy a good tactile button. But it it feels kind of like a cross between a shuttle and a submarine. It, right. It, you know, stepping over bulkheads and kind of like bending over at door jams and stuff like that. It's it's um it's just really interesting. But there are a lot of other conveniences. And I'll say another thing too, just to to kind of connect a little bit more to our timeline. We have scenes here where like uh you know captain archer and trip are watching water polo like they're they're literally watching videos of water polo and they they have like classic movie night in the mess hall and there's one episode where they're having a beer with malcolm you know for his birthday they're literally sit standing there just drinking beer and eating popcorn and stuff you know so it 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 feels um it feels a lot less futuristic, but at the same time, the technology that they're dealing with is so far, so far ahead of anything that we have now. So it, it, there, there's there's kind of a weird, it's just a weird connection thing that I, I feel with the show because it's like I could I could see myself there, I could see yeah. myself in like in the helm, you know, they're sitting next to Travis or whatever, you know, doing that or. You know, just pressing buttons on stuff. Stop pressing that. It's like, I
0: like buttons. I'm sorry. Um, this is, I mean, this is kind of like a weird thought, but, like, even thinking about, like, how the bridge is even um, set up. Like, of course, you have, like, the captain's chair, right? And then you have, like, science and communications to the left of of the captain, if I'm remembering it correctly. Yes. And then yep. to the right, of course, you have um, tactical, tactical. And, and like, kind of, sort of, like, some engineering consoles, like some kind of like something like but so, then so right but right some there two,
1: some early 2000s like uh, eight, uh HP uh yes. monitors in the back and like yeah, the, the, the table the, the meeting table in the back Eric's meeting table in the yes. back
0: yes yes but but like even so like everyone's like off to the side like they're they're like not like the spotlight's not on them but Travis man he is like right there like he's <laughs> right next to the teacher's desk man like he is right there um in the middle of it all
1: yeah and i I, it's it's not this season i'm pretty sure but there was there was an episode where the crew became specifically like ocd and like was trying to fix the chair that wasn't this season was it
0: no it's not okay
1: i didn't think so but like he he was trying to like fix the chair because archer was like it was an uncomfortable chair and I think we all have imagined at one point sitting in a captain's chair, but I don't think that they made any of those captain's chairs to be, like, you think about Kirk's chair. I have no idea how that would be comfortable at all. You're just sitting there jerking at your at your wool, <laughs> wool uniform thing, right. and you're like... You know, Kirk would always be, you know, William Shatner's crossing his legs and stuff. He's scooting around on that thing. Right, and, right. <laughs> I mean, at least, at least for Picard, his chair kind of leaned back slightly so he Just could kind of bit. like, he could do a little bit of a lean.
0: Right, and it wasn't until Nemesis that even he got like seat belts in like the very last <laughs> freaking freaking scene of, of that movie. I think it was actually a deleted yeah. scene. It, but, it's uh, school
1: bus rules, Chase. It's it's always been school bus rules. You know, when you have inertial dampeners and everything, right? It's all it's school bus rules. You don't need a you don't need no stinking seat belts. Where we're That's
0: going. right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You would yeah. think though that that would be helpful at times, just a little lap belt, at least. Just a wee bit. Know? I think that, that was the thing I've always wondered, you know, like why is it with school buses you don't have seatbelts? I mean, like, let's, let's just like ignore yeah, the fact yeah. that kids aren't going to wear seatbelts like on a school bus, but still like yeah. any of us that have ridden on a city bus, a school bus, uh, a Greyhound bus or whatever, like if there are no seatbelts and like there's a sudden stop or like a turn, like everyone's like going in the center aisle for crying out loud.
1: Yep. Who knows? That's, That's the great mystery. Ralph Nader couldn't fix it for us, so he could only do it for normal cars.
0: And and you know what? We don't even have freaking, like, weapons firing against us when we're in a school bus. (laughs) Ideally speaking, that is.
1: (laughs) Not at all.
0: And we're not Not even doing flippy-doos in space. They're doing flippy-doos in space, man. You need a seatbelt when you're doing some flippy-doos, right? Come on, I mean, now. again,
1: you would think, and, and even in this era, you would think like they'd have the full like over-the-shoulder tie-down, like rocket style, you know. But no, 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 no. We no seat belts. We're yeah, it's it's fine.
0: We're fine. We're fine. It's it's cool.
1: Well, it's, and again, like the just furthering the the technology. Um, there's so much startup tech as well, like protein resequencers instead of you know your your typical you know stations that we would see so they're they're a lot less they are less sophisticated than what we have in later years and you actually have a chef who is creating most of the thing you know you have like your galley style like slidey doors and oh there's pie.
0: (laughs) heaven forbid heaven forbid dude that the the freaking protein resequencer goes out of whack Otherwise, you're going to have some of that pie from the help, man. You're going to have some special pie from the help.
1: I don't I don't know if you know this. I, I've never looked this up, but I, I did become curious again about it. Like, what all could the protein resequencer do? Because primarily all we see it really do is, like, drinks, ice cream. Like, I mean, a lot of the other stuff is largely, like, made, It it seemed like.
0: I mean, that's a good question um if only we had some all-knowing lookup device that we could use or a certain individual that knows random facts at the drop of a hat no (laughs) there's (laughs) um we miss you eric by the way um yeah uh, he wasn't able to join us he was originally gonna gonna hop on but um anyways um uh, it's okay but if i remember correctly um Trip was um, at one point in this this first season. He was not too keen on having to give the poop talk to the school, where he was talking about like all the waste and everything was like uh, yeah. reaccumulated and recycled and stuff like that to create like down to like base matter particles to create anything essentially. Yep. So I don't think it was just like milkshakes and pecan <laughs> pie. You know, I think it was like. It was like an early replicator of sorts. I mean, without yeah, we, actually being a replicator.
1: Yeah, we've had the we've had these discussions before about um, about replicators, where I think a question that I had asked at one time is, what happens when you run out of resource? Because a replicator is effectively pulling from everything around it. Yeah. So that yeah that's that's a whole thing. But yeah, the protein resequencers are fun. You know, these early phase pistols,
0: which I love, by the way, I think they're I, so cool.
1: I personally think that they're awesome. I, I really do. And, and the sound effect of it. I think the sound effects really fun, even in our episode where we install the first phase cannons, they're not even just, they're not just phasers or phase cannons. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're firing these clunky torpedoes and everything that, that they have to like sight in in, in an episode and it just i think the theme of season 1 at least in a, in a mild way is how unprepared they are how how prepared but unprepared they are yeah. for, you know and adaptability is is huge so that i mean that's the thing isn't it when we got past the uh, the issues of hunger and need want uh, monetary systems and everything what then becomes the drive for human culture and that was always uh-huh. bettering yourself challenge uh-huh. I mean boy did these did these folks have challenge after challenge after challenge with what what was Archer's quote with every light year we're making history or something. history like. with every light year history yeah. with every light year yeah so but yeah the some of the some of the technological stuff was really the flox is like little little scanner thing you know that looked yes. like a basically like a, a, a one lens uh, uh, it's not a binocular like an, uh, a binocular with one lens you know right right and right whatever um <laughs> i can i don't i don't it's late uh, that just turns <laughs> on a blue light, you know. And yes, it, just a lot of that stuff was was really fun to see. And then obviously you get the advancement through all the um, the subsequent versions of Trek.
0: Yeah, the one thing that I think I bring up a lot um, in discussions, like, uh, you know, whether it's it's like an episode recap and like just all the all the uniforms and like insignia that we see. To kind of help help us like orient ourselves to like what era we're in, basically. This 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 show really turned it turned it around, so to speak. You know, like we went from having like either like long sleeve t shirts and trousers with boots, or we had like jumpsuits or zip ups or whatever with very minimal looking stuff or braids or whatever. This one we have like freaking like wool. Like cotton wool twill, like Submariner jumpsuits, basically, With like
1: patches and and everything.
0: Yeah. Boom. Yeah. There patch. you
1: go. Yeah. I mean, it was it it's it's effectively an astronaut's uniform that.
0: It's yeah.
1: Kind of kind of what you what you have, and I, I don't know. I thought that was, I thought it. I think it's cool. It's unique. It's cool. One other quick thing that just popped into my head though, the ready room, Archer's ready room. I don't know why this stuck out like a sore thumb to me. I started mm-hmm. looking at his early 2000s HP computer monitor. Yes. But directly behind it, he has he has um, two just little round speakers like every person would have had behind their 2001 HP monitor and like <laughs> CD racks. <laughs> I, it looked like a college dorm room,
0: man. Uh, basically was, look
1: i don't know why it stuck out to me it was just ridiculous
0: <laughs> there's a place so there's a place um here in um the north texas area and it is the um what's it called the uh, national video game museum that's what it's called it's over in um like frisco texas if anyone ever wants to go check it out. i think it's in frisco um but and, and i've been there i just can't remember where it was um, but there they actually have this this mock up of like a 80s 90s like high school male bedroom basically and it's got like a little tv like some retro wallpaper and like a video game console <laughs> but like the way that it's like that room that's like all mocked up it looks very similar to in terms of like size and setup with Archer's ready room the, I love. I don't know why I like his ready room so much. Look, I'm 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 a sucker for Enterprise. I love Enterprise, but every time I can't help but just stare at the the different um, pieces of artwork that are hanging for yeah. the different ships so of cool. Enterprise. So, so cool. stinking cool, man. So, so cool. cool, and um, and like we, we've seen some of them like in like other iterations, right? Like we've definitely seen like the A through the um, or even not the A like the 1701 through the D whenever we're in next gen and we again we see it um, in first contact when Picard like smashes his little ships you've broken but
1: your little ships
0: you broke your little ships man. no no I must be drawn here this far no farther I do love that movie that's yeah, it's good did stuff did break his little ships though But I just, I love, I love that. And like, just like how simple, just how simple his ready room is.
1: Well, it's, it's, um, it's weirdly cozy in a way. It's small. It's co. I mean, you you enter the door and there are two chairs, (laughs) you know, please sit down before you fall over the chair in front, (laughs) in front of the door, (laughs) please. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I appreciate his, his ready room a lot. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, even like when we go to crew quarters, like there's there's the episode where we go to Crewman Daniels' quarters, our time travely guy. It's small, you know. It, mm-hmm. But it it's it, again, it's like everything's just kind of like a like a college dorm room. I mean, paul has got candles. And, and her, hers is a little bit bigger. It's like, all right, Paul you had to get a little bit bigger. We got
0: gotcha. you. I mean, I mean, she's a Vulcan, so of course she does. But, th- so this, this show, um, not only do we have like the submarine kind of vibe, which was very much an intentional production design uh, decision that was made by the producers and the art department, uh, but, you know, we also have um, a very interesting um, story arc of sorts that kind of just ebbs and flows throughout the entire series, which is ultimately ended by the time we get to the beginning of season four, which we'll talk about that a as we get to season two, three, and four, like those different story beats. But we have the introduction of the temporal cold war, um, like you were talking about with Daniels. And um, I know there, this is a very, very split thing with the fandom about the temporal cold war. I think it tends to lean more. We hate it more than we like it or love it type of thing.
1: Yeah. I mean that, that was kind of my, my, not as favorite part. Like I think our our final episode uh, arc into the uh, second season, which was uh, Shockwave. Mm. So I was oh, I was weirdly okay with that, but I didn't really care for I didn't really care for the Sullivan as okay. as an enemy, if I'm just being honest, and. The, the Temporal Cold War thing kind of felt a little clunky at times. Like, yeah, we're here, but we don't really want to go far with it. You know what I mean? It just kind of felt like it wasn't, to me, it wasn't as fully fleshed out. I'm not big on time stuff. You guys know that. I've said that in, like, probably every episode for every episode of this show. Yeah, but, the, uh, the
0: audience needs to know that David is contractually obligated to say yeah. that.
1: Yeah, it's a Kurtzman thing, makes me say it. But <laughs> it, it was it was fine, but it wasn't as obtrusive as kind of some of the overarching plots have become in like Discovery. It's all one okay. thing. This show was still 25 episodes where you explored your characters, you explored different things. You just explored, and it was just sort of a bit more in the background. But yeah, the, touching touching on the Sulaban, what like three, four times, maybe three times that I can think of off the top of my head. It, it, it didn't wind up being as big of a big of an issue to me because you have a lot of other undertones, like you know Vulcan and, and Andor, their conflict meeting silent enemies uh you know getting in trouble there was one episode with a Klingon you know the, no, two episodes excuse me with Klingons in season one so there's a lot more meeting different challenges but it was you know the temporal cold war was a little a little meh
0: okay okay I uh I don't think you know this about me David but uh, so I was a political science major for my undergrad and uh, at, at least at the University of Michigan, they, um, they had us do like some kind of like thesis even for our undergrad, which is weird. Why do that? Yeah. Um, but mine was actually on the Cold War. Uh, I was looking at political rhetoric between Eisenhower and Truman, or Truman and Eisenhower, um, and how that influenced public policy and stuff like that. So whenever they were announcing or I was like learning cause I didn't watch it in real time. Uh, story of my life with Star Trek of right out loud. Um, my ears perked up. Um, I was, I was very much interested in this whole temporal cold war thing. Like what's going to happen? Like, I mean, I'm just, I'm just a junkie for cold war history and stuff. So, um, for the most part, I enjoyed it. It wasn't like, um, it wasn't horrible. Um, uh, I would have, I mean, I think there were opportunities for more development. Um, we
1: we didn't even Throughout. meet did we even ever meet it, maybe am i forgetting did we ever meet the what was it 25th century like bad guy shadow people
0: no future man we never we never figured out who future man was
1: yeah so that that was that
0: was pulling all the strings with the Sulaban? yeah that yeah, always
1: yeah. that always seemed to be a bit of a strange strange thing for me that we never we never really really did anything with that
0: Right, and, and most people just chalk it up to, it was Archer when he was in the future. Ooh, spoilers. Look, the show's been over for almost 20 years. Like, Statue of Limitations ended all. <laughs> it's, it's been a while. It's been a minute. Uh, but yeah, like, people people are convinced that it's, it's Archer that's somehow trying to influence the past or some nonsense like that. So if you want to believe that, cool. This episode was, is brought to you by Daniels. Surfshark.
1: It was Daniels all along. Daniel's trying to stop
0: Daniels. <laughs> no, Daniels. No, no, Daniels. No. There's so much no. That's a nope rope right there. Don't do it. Good grief. Um, yeah. Okay. So there was there's um one thing that was kind of a head scratcher for um I think some folks when it came to season one of of Enterprise. And I'd love to get your uh, your your thought on this. I suppose, but. We know in original series that the Klingons don't look like the Klingons that we know from even like the motion picture onward. And this is taking place, you know, close to 100 years thereabouts prior to Kirk. And yet we have like the motion picture onward style of Klingons that are in this. What do you think of that? Or did you not really give it too much thought when you were originally watching it?
1: Well, that gets addressed later, though. Yes, as, it does. As, 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 I mean, as to why the change happened, so they did think of that. I didn't think much of it, to be honest with you. I, I just, you know, my my brain at the time just chalked it up to, in the 1960s, they just didn't know how to do makeup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, they didn't know. They just threw some brown face on people. It's fine. Messed up their hair. Gave them gold shirts. It's whatever. <laughs> um, but no, I, I I didn't really think about it too much. I, I thought that the the explanation that they gave was fine. And then eventually we have the episode in DS Nine Trials and Tribulations, I, I, I think, where you know they see the Klingons in the bar. They go back to to you know back in time and wharf sitting there it's like those are klingons we don't talk about it <laughs> you know just that little that little thing I, I thought it was i thought it was a good enough way uh, to tie it in and then you unfortunately had to have discovery make them entirely different
0: but whatever talking about you talking about the california raisins God,
1: I hated that so much. That it, it looked goofy. Sorry, sorry. If, Just goofy. If
0: not the if not the California raisins, then of course we're talking about the Klingorks.
1: I don't want to go into that. So anyway.
0: <laughs> yes, we're no, talking I, about Enterprise.
1: Yeah. Well, the the first Klingon we see was uh, old tiny Zeus Lester, who was Debo in the Friday movies. And he was also a professional wrestler who went that's by true. the name of Zeus.
0: Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lordy.
1: Good times.
0: So with uh with you're you talking about like the cast and um like several quite a, like everything else that's followed it, of course. Um now, of course, like you want to cheer on like your absolute like lead character, like nine times out of 10, like you're, you're rooting for like your lead character. But the thing that Star Trek typically does is it's typically an ensemble cast. Like, so they each get time to shine. So apart from Archer, okay. Like we're going to take Archer out of the equation on this one, which character, you know, as we know them in season one. Okay. I'm not talking like season two onward development of the characters, but which season one character, whether they're main or supporting, did you find yourself like maybe rooting for or getting the most excited to like see or have like story moments, what, what stuff like that?
1: Um, that's kind of a hard one to, to answer because I, I had multiple favorites. I would, I would probably say though Malcolm, don't okay. know why i just i was weirdly drawn to the character he's kind of that really reserved british guy you know mm. whose family was disappointed him to him he they were disappointed in him because he didn't go into the royal navy yeah yes father i'm going to space <laughs> not the ocean oh no no sequest dsv for me just space <laughs> um yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just thought it was kind of an interesting character. And, and I'm not going to lie. I mean, I, I've always been interested in the whole tactical. Whoever the tactical officer was always somebody I was drawn to anyway. But I really enjoyed Trip. I liked I liked his character. I liked the kind of f- the actual friendship that he and Archer had. I thought that was really fun. Where it was, um, again, a lot of this is less professional, a lot a, a lot less military. So it was a lot easier going but then, I mean, I, I really enjoyed to too. And uh, I, I think her, um, the Vulcan thing's always an interesting, interesting topic because they clearly have emotions. Mm-hmm. They're just suppressing them. They're, they they do not even get rid of all of them. They just do their best, you know, but
0: to sure.
1: was kind of one of those characters that it was even said, it's like your m- emotions are closer, closer to the surface. Um, but I always enjoyed her her character, uh, the portrayal, the acting of it was was in my my estimation really good. She had a very <laughs> who, uh, oh, what was her name? The the actress who uh,
0: played jo- Jolie uh, Bl- Blaylock.
1: Blaylock, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, she
1: she had the best like. Pouty lip thing going on there, just really tight, <laughs> tight-lipped acting. You know, just trying to. It's almost like a, a like a Wild West squint, you know, going on, just like yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah I, I hate,
1: you. I hate, I hate you all. Uh, but I don't want to
0: be here right now.
1: I have no emotion. And then eventually, you find out that she just, she just smells them too much. It's just like you guys all stink.
0: Mm. Um, <laughs> Throw some deodorant on gall. all <laughs>
1: But no, I, I like the I like the T'pall character, and you know, un- unfortunately, it was it was the same thing with Jerry Ryan, though. You know, sometimes they throw in some well, and, and even um, Deanna uh, Troy, huh? Deanna Troy, yeah, Deanna Troy. It's indicative of a certain time in in TV and movies where you're it was again the sex appeal thing. And in Paul's case, we didn't have, like, wide open shirts and cleavage or anything like that, but you just had, like, this bodysuit,
0: right? Mm -hmm. Which is very much what they did with with Seven of Nine, even in Voyager, like, just how everything was, like, the bodysuit was, like, sculpted in such a way to accentuate, tighten, etc., etc., features of her body.
1: Yeah, but I, I just I just thought the acting was was better than the attempt at sex appeal. At least for me, I just I thought it was an in- I, th- I thought she was an interesting character, and sure. got more interesting for me as the series went along.
0: Sure, sure. For me, with uh, with at least season one of uh, of Enterprise, I think the 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 main character that I was really drawn to was Trip like I just I love Trip so much and like uh, I think Eric brings this up and like we we all bring this up in a a way like we always like to think that we're going to be like the captain or even like the first officer of something and we're going to be like so amazing at it (laughs) and we're going to crash and burn let's be honest I mean I don't know how I haven't crashed and burned you know like Lone Star Station or even The Vigilant by this point I mean come on now (laughs) y'all Oh, good grief! Um, but, but like I, I, just, I see, I see myself as Trip the most. Like I'm not as mechanically inclined, but I mean, I like to have a good time. Like I like to be goofy and kind of, and like I know when to be serious. And I, I don't know. I just see a lot of myself in Trip, um, in in his character portrayal. And I think the the runner up right behind Trip is Hoshi. Like. Like I'm very inquisitive, and I, I'm—I mean, I can be very apprehensive and kind of, you know, gun shy at times, much like she was in the show. I mean, you gotta gotta think like this is like some of the very first like truly deep space exploration that we're doing with a warp five vessel. There's going to be some nerves. Like you're literally yeah. going where you were literally going where no one's been before.
1: Well, it, she was just teaching languages, wasn't she? In like Brazil, was. teaching languages in the very beginning. It's like yeah. Yeah, she she's not an explorer. She's not an astronaut. She's not Starfleet, really. She she's a ling- she's a linguist. I mean,
0: well, well, she is. Like that's the thing. Like she is Starfleet. Like she's been to the academy. She has a commission. That's part of the reason why they were able to recall yeah, her.
1: But but let's be honest, Chase. <laughs> 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 but let yes, I understand that. But let's let's be honest. Like I I think she would have been. I, I eventually, obviously, this is where she needed to be but I think if left to her own devices and like Archer doesn't come and grab her and kind of drag her drag her along she would have still been teaching languages in Brazil probably more than likely but I'll also say this last thing when <laughs> I do think it's funny and I think about this a lot when we when we talk about who we see ourselves as yeah and who we actually are because mm-hmm. who we all actually are is Travis we're this wide-eyed uh, trying to figure it out ensign who's who's just like pressing buttons, man. He's just flying around having a good time, getting himself <laughs> into trouble from time to time. Yeah. That that that's usually who we wind up being, or like, you know, we would wind up sort of being like I don't know, Reg Barkley. <laughs> you know, <I'm> just <laughs> yeah. Let's uh holodex uh, pretty uh, sweet.
0: <laughs> do, do, you, do you have the latest programs? Did you get the latest firmware for the the holodeck? Uh,
1: I love Travis too. He's he's interesting. They did give him some moments in here, which I which I thought was good. Again, character development is always important to me.
0: Just a little bit, just just a skosh, for sure. Um, what? One thing I'd asked you to kind of like maybe think about a little bit prior to the show was like a standout episode, like whether it's like your favorite or even your least favorite um, episode. And uh, yeah, it, and I don't know if you had any trouble with this or not.
1: Well, the the only reason I had trouble with this is because I had several <laughs> for different reasons. Um I will say that probably probably really duking it out for number one was shuttle Pod one, though. okay. And okay it's it's a self-contained episode. It's not a huge adventure, but you know, you're developing Trip and Malcolm. they're trapped in a shuttle pod. They think that the Enterprise has been destroyed as they see a piece of it floating around. And literally, you know, kind of like what we talked with in Prodigy, you know, that there is, a, there is an echo in every Star Trek where we find ourselves in these meeting our mortality moments and how you do that. Mm-hmm. And the two of these guys are in this shuttle pod. You know, they wind up effectively being down to very little air, they're being hit by quantum singularities or micro singularities, and what do we do? We sit down and we eat ration packs and patch holes with mashed potatoes. We drink the captain's bourbon, and we uh, and we record love letters to you know women that we couldn't make it work with because we were too afraid to get close to them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was, it was just such an interesting character development episode and um a- a- again some of those uh, like real topics tend to grab me a little bit more but shuttle pod one was was in i thought was really really good um i believe it was uh let me see i had a few of these two days and two nights i thought was kind of fun too where we get to ryza <laughs> Yeah, man. technically from a timeline perspective for the first time right. um, and it's very reminiscent of every time we've ever went to Riza, except we had three storylines you know Hoshi's learning languages with a guy uh, Archer's getting scammed by someone who wants to kill Sulaban and then Trip and Malcolm are getting <laughs> they're getting conned out of everything that they have yep. by shapeshifters it was, it was just kind of like, you know, we've gone through some really heavy stuff this season, but that was, like, towards the end of the season, I believe. Yeah, that was the um, penultimate episode. Yeah, and it was just like, nights. it was kind of goofy. It was kind of fun, you know. It was just sort of like a fun, not trying to take it too terribly seriously, um, but also, you know, being a little bit more character-specific. But I also like a lot of the stuff with the Andorians, too. Um, mm uh, what was it? The, the I don't remember what the episode was, but where they go to uh, Pagem, uh the the monastery.
0: Yeah, the first one was uh, what the Andorian incident, I believe. Yeah, wasn't the
1: Andorian. Right, right, yeah, yeah. So that was that was kind of a fun episode, and even the shadows of Pajem, You know, that episode was fun too. It's really hard for me to narrow down because I I, I really liked I really liked almost all these episodes, and then we even have minor episodes like. Uh, I think it's fight or flight where they where they install the phase cannons with kind of like the enemy that's like testing them, and then I, I believe it was the second episode where they uh, they encounter the, uh, the the ship with the the ghost ship effectively, where they're getting pumped for their whatever fluids and you know again Uh it's like overmatched but they work their way out of these scenarios I think is fun and heck even the actual ghost ship episode where we have Odo you know that one was a fun episode too it was so yeah there's a a lot of fun episodes it's really hard for me to pick one but Shuttle Pod 1 probably is my favorite episode of season 1
0: okay I'm gonna have to disappoint you man so you don't I'd have ask, to
1: disappoint me at all. I mean, you can do whatever you want. Is I mean, it's your <laughs> show,
0: Chase. I mean, so whenever I was asking, like, you know, favorite and least favorite, the, the one, the most insufferable episode that, like, I struggle through every single time I watch Enterprise, especially Enterprise Season 1, is Pod 1. <laughs> like, that is, like, my that is like my most hated star Trek That's enterprise funny. episode. And again, I'm about to like probably ruin our friendship, but, um, every episode of, of enterprise, I'm like, please let Malcolm die this episode. Please kill him off. Like he is like, like, uh, Oh, just, he just like gets on my everlasting nerve, like in, in, in enterprise. So he's my, he's my least favorite character. Um, uh, which is fine. I'm glad there's some love for him out there. No, um, I mean,
1: it's just like for me, I just I root for him because I, I I want him to break out, like to do what he what he means. Because everybody has sort of their uh, their sort of moment, you know, where they they prove why they're here. But in in his case, it's kind of a little bit more ambiguous. It's almost like, are you just trying to stick it to your parents? Is this really yeah. where you want to be? that sort of thing. And I mean, that can be an interesting storyline, but I, yeah, no, I, I totally, I totally understand that.
0: Yeah. And I mean, of course, like there's more development beyond season one, but like if we're just looking in containment, just season one enterprise, oh my gosh, leave, leave them alone. Um, So if, 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 uh, you know, shuttle pod one is like my least favorite, like I'm kind of I'm with you like the the Andorian incident is right up there for me like I love that episode that is like one, even though it's kind of sort of a two-parter within season one to an extent um, I mean the Andorian incident is one that I could easily just turn on anytime it's like as violent as it can be in like the smoke and mirrors like cloak and dagger crap that's going on like it, it's it's just something about it is just so comforting I don't know what it is. It's just a really enjoyable episode. Um, but another one that I don't think um, I, don't, I don't know how many people actually like this, but Strange New World, which I think is like technically like the second or third episode or fourth, depending on production order, however you want to look at it, of of Enterprise. It's the one where they do essentially like their their first away mission essentially, yeah. and like they're, they're they're they all become like paranoid and delusional at nighttime, like with like all the like the pollen and the, the every the, the storm and everything that's like kicking everything up. I really like the heck out of that one, I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Um, that and um, what was the other one? I mean, anything with Shran is good, right? Um,
1: yeah, I thought you were gonna say, uh, what was it, Vox Sola, you know, the, the Milky Tentacle <laughs> episode. <laughs> That that was one episode that did not hold up.
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah, um Ugh. Terra Nova. I've talked about Terra Nova, but Terra Nova, I think, is it, it, it deserves more love than it gets. Um because like Terra Nova is the one episode and I've talked about this um when we did like a, a first contact episode. I think it was uh, Eric and I. We were going through stuff. But like Terra Nova Archer says something just so incredibly brilliant because we realize that the Novans that they're 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 colonists, right? Like they were like they they went to go like settle and explore before, you know, deep space was actually deep space exploration was like truly a thing. Well, they lost contact and there was like some radiation stuff and they blamed the Earth like people from Earth for abandoning them and everything. I like the fact that even in like, what is that? Like maybe the first four or five episodes, I think of this series that we're already having a prime directive type of conversation. Like if I can't have first contact with humans, what the hell am I doing out here? Like, that's what Archer says.
1: Yeah. And I mean that it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier, though that the rules are so unestablished here. Um, I'm, I'm uh, I was just going to try and find the other episode where I think it was civilization maybe mm-hmm. Yeah. So civilization, I actually really enjoyed that episode as well. Um, but that was like oh boy. Uh, what a first contact uh, phaser fire in the street. Uh, wasn't their fault, I guess. Um, but yeah that that one was an interesting one. Uh, as well, from like this whole non-establishment of first contact. However, in on several occasions, they did a lot of cosmetic surgery. So at least they were trying to kind of like not contaminate other people's societies. So they tried. Uh, <laughs> didn't always work out that way, though.
0: But uh, but like with with civilization, you know, like that was a uh, I mean, that's a good deep cut like we were talking about that when we were doing um our discovery conversation. Yeah, I,
1: I, I think didn't Eric bring that up.
0: I think it was Eric so, and I that both brought it up.
1: Yeah 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 that's right.
0: Yeah um like the fact that the Akali like that's the species that we're we're dealing with in this episode like the oh, of right. Civilization, yeah. yeah. And um it's the um the the um governor, the mayor, whatever his title was in that episode of Discovery, um like yeah you're refugees now by the way. Like oh, you're duh, yeah you're 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 done like your your uh, city your piece of land whatever is gone so wherever you go asteroids now it's or something like that yeah wherever yeah, you settle now one, yeah. yep wherever you settle now you're you're traveling as refugees and you're at other people's mercy essentially
1: yeah
0: um but another great episode like that's that's one that um I mean, it's, it's, it's still, it's kind of like in the first third of sorts of the, of the first season, but it's a good one, but yep. it's nowhere near as popular as many of the others. I mean, yeah. I don't think it's as popular at least.
1: No, I, I mean, I, I probably wouldn't say, say so either, but it, yeah, that was, that was a very good classic type of Star Trek episode. Yeah. You know, I was, I, I was trying to think there, as you were talking, if there was one that I really didn't enjoy all that much, that, I'm not sure if I have one that I detained was a little bit meh. However, that was a Quantum Leap reunion.
0: Yes, it was. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, what, what, about, what about Top Gun in Space, man? Desert Crossing.
1: Oh, Desert Crossing. Yeah. I, um, so that was one I didn't rewatch around this time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, now that you say that, I, I do remember they could have totally put up volleyball volleyball net in there oh boy yeah that one was a little meh yeah detained in that one yeah i i could say that those were a little bit on the shaky the shaky side i suppose
0: there's um there's another one that some people again it's it's kind of like one of those like split decision ones but unexpected when a trip um has to go through go and repair the ship and he yeah. gets preggers. Yeah, um,
1: man. I don't know though. I, I don't. I don't know if I, I. I don't hate that one. I think it was. I think it was a fine episode. It was. It was. Uh. Well, it was detailing that not all species are. Um, well, it, the same. I guess would be the lame. The lamest way to put that. And it's not, I don't know if it's really talked about in many of the other series, but it is talked about in this series uh, quite a bit, honestly, about the the interspecies relationships and so forth, that not everyone is going to be compatible with each other. And yes, uh, Trip, our good boy Trip, was the first uh, pregnant male human. So there you go.
0: Yeah, and even that's like, um, like even looking ahead to um, what is it? The comment that's made in undiscovered country, where uh, Kirk is on uh, Rurapente, right? And he's getting mm-hmm. that little like prison, uh, prison fight, and uh, <laughs> and uh, oh gosh, I can't believe I'm forgetting her name right now. Anyways, she makes the comment like, not every species' genitals are between their yeah. legs.
1: That's
0: right. Anyway, he like kick he kicks the the aliens knees or something like yeah, that. The, yeah, like, the knees. Yep. Yep. Goodness. Or what we what we would believe would be the knees, I guess. Uh, oh,
1: good grief. But no, I, I i didn't I didn't dislike that episode. It's not one of my favorites, but no, I, I didn't like. That. But I could under. I guess I could see why people maybe wouldn't be all that down with that, but. yeah. I,
0: I had no no issues with unexpected. I think unexpected is, is a fun episode in the grand scheme of things. Like, I mean, yeah. we, we I mean, we even at this point, even in the twenty second century, we're we're getting a tease of the um, the future of the holodeck or like some kind of holography that's yep. going to be incorporated on ships much much later. Um, yep. And we know by the time of Star Trek: The Animated Series that we do have like a, a holodeck essentially on the right. ship.
1: Um, I actually kind of wanted to get your opinion because I, I I do think that um, I do think that the way the way a show starts is important. What did mm-hmm. you think of of the first well double you know dual part? Yeah, first the two part of this. Yeah,
0: I I don't know. I, I really like Broken Bow. Um, Broken Bow is is good. Uh, I mean I don't have any issues with it necessarily. The um, I think the comment that I bring up a lot, even in our other like episode recaps that we do, it's this idea of pacing. Like how is the episode paced? And I, I know it's starting, so you can't like go super fast and you probably shouldn't go super slow. You need to find like that sweet spot. Um, but whenever I watch it, it does seem kind of uneven with the story pacing at times. Um, I I like I like how it starts like big old explosions and some on some random farm, and oh shoot, this is the problem. We have like what is it three days or whatever before that we're gonna have like all out war with the Klingons. What's a Klingot type of thing? Um, a Klingot. What's a Klingot? Klingon, uh, warrior species, and like I. I, I I think it works well. I think the characters are introduced well. Like the fact that Archer's like, "Give me, give me some time. I'll go take care of it," and he's like slowly recalling, and he's got his buddy uh, Trip, you know, that's kind of help him out through all this stuff. Like overall, I thought it was a good story. I'm not gonna rate it or give it a Delta rating or anything like that. But I mean, it works for me. It, I mean, it works for me. I mean, I think it's I think Broken Bow, and I'm sure there would be people that would disagree with me. Uh, I think it's one of the stronger starts of a series compared to even some others. I don't I know, what, what what do you think about Broken Bow?
1: No, I mean I, I, I think I think it was fine. Um, I just it felt like for me it just felt crazy long. It's just like, oh yeah, that's a long introduction to the show. But yeah, the the Avengers Assemble stuff, I always I always can appreciate that. Um, and and really trying to prove yourself against well against the odds, you know we, we get a little bit of the the um, the pain and the and the kind of the anger with uh, with Archer because the Vulcans have kind of held held the humans back and and we learn more about why that is with um, what was it Ambassador Saval, I think was his name.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We get a little bit more of that much later as to kind of his opinions of things. Uh, and, and being more their thought process was were more akin you know like you kind of remind us of us before we found logic but the fact is is that you integrated your emotions and we didn't type a deal mm-hmm. um but I, I I kind of like to to see that <sighs> sort of like we we need to break out we need to do this now and that's i think that's a very a very human thing we want to go we want to i mean we had what two billionaire rockets would you ever thought as a kid like just two random rich dudes would have sent rockets into space no no as a nasa no thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah i mean you, you got two phallic rockets just shot up into space like one of them di- didn't didn't elon musk like have one of his teslas on his stupid rocket like he he rocketed a car into space or something like that i don't remember i i don't follow that all that well but anyway i i think that that's a a very human way of thinking we want to go we want to explore we want to do our thing for better or worse and and i i don't know i I just really like that sort of aspect of the
0: story well i like what archer even says to paul before like you know even by the end of the first season even where their relationship is but um, it, it, it's it's in regards to the mission that they're on and um, Archer is is like almost on his last nerve when it comes to everything like kind of just like failing one right after the other he's like I'm not interested in what you think about this mission so take your Vulcan cynicism and bury it along with your repressed emotions <laughs> love that it's like one of the well, best lines I think
1: no it was a great line but just a bit of a tag on there I mean the fact is, is that they might have been ready for space when Archer's father was alive, but the Vulcans mm-hmm. held it back, or at least that's his feeling in the matter. Now, whether that's real or not, I think is debatable. But at the same, that the same token, it's it's just such a an interesting way of capturing a character because most of our captains are. Maybe a bit more grounded in their own way than Archer. Archer's very raw with his emotions. Uh, with with Vulcans, I mean, we see it throughout the series sure. when a Vulcan ship shows up. It's like, are they watching us? Uh, we saw them in the star cluster. Why are they? Yeah. Why are they? You know, doing this and that, and even uh, very reluctant to ask for help uh, when they needed it. Yeah. They did, but it was always kind of like almost resentful. So yeah. the building of the relationship with DePaul throughout the series was so important to his character because he is able to let go of his prejud- prejudicial attitude. For sure. So well, it's it's a good learning thing.
0: Well, there's, there's a line that he says, which um, I'm going to try and do something with us here in a second. But... You know, he we see in the two-parter of Broken Bow that you know him and his dad are on this beach and they're they're like flying this little ship around this basically this remote-controlled little spaceship around, and uh, Jonathan is having one heck of a hard time trying to control it and fly it with confidence, and there's like wind and everything that's just making it really challenging. And his dad um, says, you can't, we can't be afraid of the wind. And I think, and then you just see Jonathan just feel like his dreams are being crushed, like with one setback after another, even in this first episode. Right. Yeah. And like, just thinking like, you know, we like people just telling him like, you weren't ready. You know, you're not ready. You're never going to be ready type of thing. Just give up and go home and let us take care of it basically. Yeah. And. Even at the very end, after basically overcoming all the challenges of that episode, there's, there's this like little almost throwaway line of sorts that, um, that Mayweather says. He says, um, I'm reading an ion storm on that trajectory, sir. Should I go around it? We can't be afraid of the wind, Ensign. Take us to warp four. And they just zip out. like. And I think that's the, this is the thing I wanted to talk about. We have this whole, we can't be afraid of the wind. Like we are going off, we're, we're starting this new adventure, this new journey, we are literally going where no one has gone before, where no man's gone before, we're making history with every light year type of thing. And I think if we look at the overall theme of this season, and even the person of Captain Archer at this point, this is very much Archer the Explorer, uh, more than anything else. I mean, we see him evolve and become Archer the whatever in each successive season, but this is very much Archer the Explorer, um, where he's he's like bright-eyed, optimistic, like a schoolboy essentially, just like so stupid excited about what's next, what's next, what's next. What do we get to discover today? And And I love that, and like just taking his own father's advice and trying to move past being afraid of the wind. Yeah, no doubt. So um, I, I I don't know that was that was kind of a long ramble. Sorry about that, bud. But um, but I I just, I just love this like this whole like we are literally putting exploration front and center like for real for real with this well, series.
1: haven't we been clubbed over the head enough with um, action adventure recently? I mean, yeah. Where it is kind of nice to see the pure exploration.
0: Mm-hmm. Of the now, thing. Well, and, and I mean. Of course we're still going to have like some shoot 'em up, blow crap up stuff, but like I mean this is us like supposed to be discovering things for the first time. I mean, of course we know what's up. Like we know yeah. some of these species, but this is our first interaction with it, which is with with the the, th- the places, the people, the things. It's it's just cool.
1: Everything's new.
0: Everything is indeed new, for sure.
1: And then I mean that's um that's not something so as you get older you know you, you, you know how like you, you get like uh, our, our older folks who uh, talk about time going faster it's like yeah. oh man blink of an eye and I think some of that becomes comfortability when you're not learning something new when, when you fall into routine because we all fall into routine
0: we everybody do, has for a sure.
1: routine but nothing about this, at least the first season, is routine. It's all it's all new, and I do like uh, some of. We get it a couple times where it's like they're almost bored. They're trying to find that next new thing. It's like where's the, where's the next new thing? Where's the next new thing? There's no space. We're not meeting anybody. Where's where are we going? You know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, like it's yeah. like this constant drive to find the new, find the the next waypoint. You know, drop the next beacon and so forth. So uh, that's um that's an interesting way of life that not very many people get
0: to experience. Yeah, I, I I agree, I agree. Yeah, with um like like that's the thing like that I remember, like even reading, um again I had to like catch up on reading of uh, like forums and chat rooms and things like that back in the day um, when it came to this like I was just like I was eating I was just eating this up like so much I was just enjoying the heck out of the show and people were like yeah well that can't happen because this happened because of this star date and that event and stuff like that and I'm like just enjoy the dang show people um, I mean yes they oh, look look yes Kirk and company they did their thing. Picard, Cisco, Janeway, we know about that stuff. But you got to know that you know the stuff, right? And just let the stuff unfold. Like, just, just let it happen. Like, don't yeah. nitpick, for crying out loud. Which is kind of annoying. I mean, which is almost, like, kind of hypocritical of me saying that because we kind of complain about, like, some other shows out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean,
1: we, we, we nitpick, Bonnie.
0: Yeah, yeah. But still, like it's got it's got to fit within canon, which I think Rick Berman did a great job of of dancing around, tiptoeing around stuff as as he was able to. Um, I so. And yeah. um, I mean, and and Rick Berman like worked directly with Gene Roddenberry before he passed, so he understood Gene Roddenberry's vision so very well. Right. Um, not that not that other executives um, didn't. But I mean, Rick Berman was mm-hmm, the. Mm-hmm.
1: What what kind of shade were you trying to throw there, Chase? What what uh, what producer are you talking about, huh? I have
0: I have this weird look what, on my face. I don't know where he's going with this. What
1: showrunners? Uh, what showrunners are you trying to dis- cast disparaging comments on, uh, Chase? Huh?
0: Why don't, why don't you just fill in the blank for me? Hmm. hmm? Nope. We gonna play this game? <laughs> <laughs> bingo. We have a bingo, y'all. We have a bingo. Oh, I don't even know where I was going with that. Thanks, David. You're Thanks. welcome. Appreciate it, bud.
1: No, you're just, you're just talking about how you know that it was able to fit it in, dance around, a lot of different stuff, keeping things within canon, so to speak.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's it. That's good enough. There you go. He did it. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> good job, Wesley. Thanks, buddy. I am wearing the uniform after all. That's right. Smiles and Crusher. Okay. Um, the
1: the only the only other thing this just popped into my head real just real real quick. Medical ethics. Mm. Medical ethics really got thrown out the window. I like Flocks in a lot of ways, but boy oh boy, did Flocks not take the Hippocratic oath. He's giving patient history away to figure out that Malcolm likes pineapple. He's just he's just doing a lot yep. of really randoms. Well, he even has the the one episode where he refused to treat uh, patients. I think it was Dear Doctor. Yeah, Dear Doctor. Yep. I had that pulled up there. So he had his own uh, kind of. Uh, prejudice uh, against a, a race where I, I think the Denobvians were at war with, or something like that. I, I, I sure. didn't rewatch. Get to rewatch that episode either. Um, but as much as I like Flocks, and the guy's a really smart guy, he he does his thing medically. But uh, <laughs> not necessarily the most medically ethical doctor we've ever seen.
0: No, no, not so. And yeah, like the whole uh, bromelin. Um, thing, like with the whole pineapple, like to do something for Malcolm's birthday. Um yeah, that's that's kind of a HIPAA violation, everyone. Just just a little bit. Just, that's just...
1: <laughs> He's an alien, it's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah. By the way, I actually had to report someone um, to the state for for multiple HIPAA violations. Oh, it was, no. that was awkward. Oh boy. It was awkward. I bet. When you when you call me and you leave me messages with detailed patient information like can I, I give you the benefit of the doubt and i call you back and say hey don't do this again mm-hmm. and then you continue to do that we're gonna have a problem yeah so but you know the thing that i like about Flocks, okay so john billingsley does a fantastic job i think of portraying Flocks. Yeah. and with him he he makes this comment like i think it was um Oh shoot! I think it was Archer. I think even in, in Broken Bow, for crying out loud, where he's like coming into sick bay and he's seeing all these like critters around. He's like, "What's all this for?" And he's like, "If you want to, um, oh gosh, what's he say? Um, need to be more open-minded and accepting of um, other forms of medical treatment or something like that. Yeah, um, if we're gonna be meeting other species or something like that." And, I mean, we see that, right? Like, we see, like, this random eel that cauterizes wounds at, at some point. Um, like, random slugs. We see, like, um, like the feces of, like, a bat or, or something like that. It's, like, very good for some, like, synthesizing some kind of medication or whatever. Just, like, right. some random, random stuff. It's and not all uh, just
1: anaprovaline, you know, uh, Chase. You yeah. Just-
0: two cc's of anaprovaline. Four, 10, S- 13, 27, 37, what you say? I can count the you ve to 55. No? Our, all our younger viewers have no idea what that is. I don't even know if David knows what that is. I don't even know what it is. Oh, wow. We're talking like early days of the internet, man. Like our high school time.
1: Yeah, I didn't really care about the internet. I was too busy with sports and chicks and music and chicks and sports and stuff and Dude, bro, things. <laughs> I'm pretty sure what's going through uh, the captain's mind here is, it's getting too late for this
0: crap. <laughs> I'm getting too old for this crap. <laughs> All right, let's let's head let's let's let let's let's park it. <laughs>
1: Agreed. Yep.
0: <laughs> um. Overall, um, I know we've we've kind of like jumped around, and talked about a couple of different things. Like we've talked about like some characters that stand out to us that we like, that we we don't like as much, episodes that are pretty memorable, um, or that have had like some kind of like lasting impact on us for good or bad or, or whatever. Um, even like some of the themes of of like characters in the, in the first season in general. Um, I I don't think that this show deserves the the misgivings that that it so often receives um this is a really i think this is a really solid series and just like all of star trek itic baby infinite diversity and infinite combinations there's something good about every single star trek series that's out there even the ones that we aren't too keen on there's good there are good things about each of them and um I just wanted to say that. I mean, anything else you want to tag on David?
1: No, I mean, I, I think that's, that's very appropriate. I I don't know if it was a timing thing. Um, I think that they bounced around with a lot of different themes throughout the, the remaining seasons and they ended the show in the worst pot, in my opinion, in the worst possible way that they could have. It was almost like a joke. The final episode, um, I'm sorry. I, oh, when we I,
0: when we get to series or season four.
1: Yes, when yeah, we got okay. to season four, I I absolutely could not stand that at all. Um, so I, I I feel like I feel like the if there is any hate out there, I, I think it's a little bit misappropriated in a way. But I suppose I can also be sympathetic in in a in a way as well. I just think it was a weird time to put out a, a Star Trek show. I just I look I look back and I think about it a little bit. I just felt like it was a little little strange, like maybe just trying to push out because I, I mean, uh, you had you obviously had TNG, which for many people is going to be their favorite DS9, which was such a deep cut in in Trek, and I can understand why people don't necessarily watch all of DS9. It was long. I think it was great. I, I, I find myself wanting to go back and watch a lot of things in DS9, but it was very, very deep. And Voyager bounced around all over the place, too, mm-hmm. in a lot of sure. ways, but it also had some, some really, really great episodes as well. Sure. So I, I think it was more of a timing thing, at least for Enterprise. But I, I, I will always sort of treasure the show in its own special way uh, for its own special things.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah this um, the thing that maybe not every Star Trek fan is even aware of, especially like maybe some of the newer ones that have just come to Star Trek by way of like you know discovery, lower decks, Picard, even Prodigy um, is Moonies. that it, yeah even even the the Kelvin timeline movies too yeah. that um, at the time that this came out like Star Trek had been continuously on the air since 1987. It's a long time to have continuous televised brand new Star Trek. 14 yep. years up to that point. Like, started, you know, fall of 1987, and now here we are, fall of 2001. We're talking two weeks after 9 11 happened that this show premiered. Yep. And, um, and then, like, you know, eventually goes off the air in 2005. So by that time, we had had 18 years. 17 and a half, 18 years of Star Trek constantly being on television, like that's that's someone completely growing up, going from like yeah. birth to, to adulthood, early adulthood. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we will eventually get to talking about like, of course, season two and three and four um, down the road um, with with you know Enterprise and um, stuff like that. But um, but that's it. That's it. Like um, Enterprise. Is is um, actually in my top three of like Star Trek shows. Um, and I might be doing some little finagling now. Maybe it's. I definitely it's it's definitely in top five. That's for dang sure. Um, but for the longest time, it was top three for me.
1: No, I, I agree. It's for me. It's it's definitely in top three. Although
0: prodigy and man. Pro-
1: prodigy prodigy's doing some stuff in there now if only they would have you know sacked up and made that thing like an official like 25 episode or and you know just made some of them a little longer and like you know just made like actual tv instead of this bs we currently get either it's an hour and a half long movie or it's like 25 minutes
0: <laughs> <sighs> whatever oh, yeah. whatever
1: whatever happened to the 45 minute classic just do it do the thing but Pro- Prodigy's been been up there, but it's still it's still top three. It's still TNG, DS9, and, and Enterprise.
0: Yeah, for me, it's like two and three just kind of switch every now and again, like positions. But yeah, it's either it's either Deep Space Nine or Enterprise that are like switching around in like two or three. But TNG for me is always going to be number one. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, not that I don't like TOS, by the way. I do like TOS. I yeah, have watched all sure. of TOS. It's, it's mm-hmm. good stuff. It's just I mean it's not like the thing that I'm going to go to immediately whenever I I need to watch some Star Trek. I'll get to it eventually. But
1: well, don't at me bro. The series just had well, it, it just had really really good classics, but yeah, I mean different time.
0: Yeah. I mean yeah. Anyway, that's it. Let's let's um let's beam out of here, man. Let's let's call it a day type of thing. David, thank you for, uh, for talking to me about, uh, talking with me about, um, you know, one of your favorite, um, Star Trek series, especially the, the first season of it. And, um, we will definitely have more content coming out, um, in the very near future. So just, you know, stay tuned, check it out. What we have coming up with some, um, episode discussions and stuff like that. Um, anyways, what did everyone think? Like, what, what are your thoughts on, you know, Star Trek enterprise or Enterprise as It was originally called in uh, season one and two. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, you can leave us a comment, share show ideas, stuff like that, at trtvpod.com, where you can learn about ways to support the show, like financially on Patreon, patreon.com/slash-these-are-the-voyages. Uh, some very affordable tiers there. And um, anyway, uh, if you want to uh, get a hold of us, you know you want to um, you know interact with us, you can do that. We're on all the socials, trtv at trtvpod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And um, if you want to um, get a hold of us. Uh, make sure you open up hailing frequencies and enter in tRTvPod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. Remember there's a three-minute limit before stuff happens. So be quick about it. Finally, if you do want to mail us something, like one of those cool phase pistols, just make sure like the safety's on. That's cool. Um, actually don't don't that's that's just dangerous. Don't don't do that. Just maybe like an enterprise patch. That's safer, right? Uh, make sure it gets to the Lone, Lone Star <laughs> Station P.O. Box 2455, Azle Texas 76098. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in and hearing our ramblings. And as always, remember to bold to go and make it so.